Greetings, friends! Welcome back to the Film Alchemist Podcast, the show where we look at movies we love, break them apart, to find out what gives them their magic. I'm your host, Josh Griffey, joined again by my time travel companions and co-hosts, Mike Cloud and Kevin Weinman. Welcome back, guys. Thanks, buddy. All right, guys. uh, Again, we are traveling our way through time uh, with the Back to the Future trilogy. Tonight, we are covering Back to the Future 3. So if you haven't, uh, go back and re-download Back to the Future 1 and 2, please. Uh, For those of you who have, thank you. Uh, Enjoy the rest of our fan pick month. We've got some good movies coming out again. Uh, As always, take a second, leave us a rating and review, especially if you find the show on Apple Podcasts. That helps us out enormously. Um, You can email the show, filmalchemistpod at gmail.com. Let us know other movies you'd like to hear covered. We promise we'll get to them eventually. Uh, And follow the YouTube channel. That's Nerd Alchemist, plural, with an S at the end. All right, guys. We did the past. We did the future and the past. Now we're doing the Old West, right? Back to the Future 3. Maybe one of the biggest zags in (laughs) trilogy history. (laughs) Taking us back to the Old West. So, when when we last left off, the Doc and Marty had successfully escaped 1950s. 1950 again well that's not true they had escaped for the first time again doc is struck by lightning and sent back to the wild west for unknown reasons like i said canonizing the godlike villainy of time itself sending him back to the wild west marty comes running back up to doc and this is where we start again uh things are uh, as mike says uh in the last two shows Every time they figure something else, something else horrible happens. <laughs> but let's just start off the conversation. Uh, part three, I feel like, is not nearly as beloved as the rest. Uh, people look at it as the redheaded stepchild of the trilogy. I'm not going to lie. I felt that way myself for a long time. This time viewing it, though, I found some things in it that I really adored. And I think it's such a lovely uh, send-off to this trilogy. How did you guys feel... Uh, what are your initial thoughts on Back to the Future 3? Uh, I, I, I'm still one of those people that's like, uh, it, you know, considering trilogies in general and how terrible third movies tend to be, this is still how pretty dare. good. <laughs> it's still pretty good comparatively to like most trilogies. I, I would say I enjoyed it. It's just, I'd say kind of more of like a, I don't hate it. It just might have, might have more of a minor letdown, I'd say. And that's maybe just my lizard brain talking where I'm like, <laughs> what? There's no, like, you know, really cool futuristic stuff and hoverboards and holograms and shit. That, uh, there like, is a like, hoverboard. How dare you? There is a hoverboard. There is very <laughs> There is a, de- a uh, souped out DeLorean. How dare you? <laughs> There's future shit everywhere in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> the, again, I watched it. I enjoyed it. It's my least favorite of all the movies, but I still like it. It's 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 it's, it's enjoyable. That's all, that's I'll what see, that's it does the have phrase. one of my favorite intros though. I love the first like ten minutes when Doc Brown is just freaking the fuck out and just refuses to believe that Marty <laughs> <laughs> has again come back from the future. What what you said is actually the thing. I I think people use that line a lot. It's the worst of the Back to the Future movies, as if that's a slam. Right. Back to the Future 1 and 2 are in the pantheon of great movies. The fact that the third one isn't quite as good as the other two, even if you would say Back to the Future 3 is half as good as the other two, that still makes it an amazing movie. So I don't like that argument. I I dismiss that argument. 
Kevin, what did you think about Back to the Future 3? Um, my hot take is that I I think it's right on par with with two. Uh, I, I think two and three are equally as good. And the reason being is because usually when you have a trilogy, they try extra hard in that third movie to keep it in line with the other two movies. And by that time, it's lost its magic. Um, I think that there's a lot of things that you need to be able to do in a third to not only keep it fresh, but you have to be able to go and keep people interested. And they picked a perfect genre. Uh, You can't write in. The reason why people love the two movies is because you've got the romantic 1950s along with the the cool 1980s at that point. People loved that dichotomy. So you can't remove yourself too far from either one of those and still keep uh, the story centralized because those people still have to exist in some sort of family matter. Right. And so the fact that you go back to the old West, uh, I felt like such an idiot watching the second one and looking at all of the drops that they had for the third one. I just wasn't even thinking about it. And I was like, (laughs) look at, Oh my God, they've got all the people and they're lining it up for the third story. and, And I just didn't tie it together. So here's my takeaway from the third is that, you do an incredible job of being being able to see the, uh, the, the start of each one of these people's families. Uh, you get to see how everybody uh, uh, was back in the olden days in, in a beloved genre. And they actually did a fucking good job with that genre. I felt like it was very Western-y. They took a, 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 you know so, some pages out of our classic Westerns, uh, any Clint Eastwood uh, classics. And uh, you, 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 you guys will come to find that during our discussion today, I'm definitely going to be bringing up a, a lot of scenes that really resonate with me. So I say yeah. right on par with Back to the Future 2. I'm a big fan. Yeah, see, what I, what I like a lot about this, right? I think too many cappers of trilogies are so beholden to tying up all the loose threads, right? And I think what I really like about back to the future three is as we've done these kind of wild sci-fi adventures in part two, we do the dark, you know, future, which I love. This is the movie where doc and Marty finally have time to kind of stop and ponder what the fuck they've done. (laughs) Like this is the, what the fuck just happened? Cause the other two movies essentially take place in about two days at absolute warp speed and everything is going ape shit. This is just like, Hey man, you live in a barn now. Like, what, what is going on? What are the ramifications of this? Should we go? What is happening? Is it okay for me to come back and save Doc? The other thing I like is that I think this is the movie where Doc Brown truly rounds out as a character, right? I love the idea of the zany man of science that we see early on is so obsessed with doing something great that he's willing to throw the whole timeline and all of the universe, you know, to the to the shredder right just because he wants to achieve something that you know maybe we shouldn't play with this is the movie where doc brown the man of science finally actually finds something worth worth achieving and it really actually like melted my heart i love doc and clara i'm gonna go on record i fucking love the doc and clara arc in this movie and it really meant a lot to me now i remember not giving a fuck about it as a younger viewer but now i i think it's such an important element to the movie i think the problem people have with back to the future three is i i think that there's a lot of really good quiet character moments i think though there's not that one or two super iconic moments like the first two films yeah. but i don't think that it, means that it's a, a not worthy entry to the series it, it is kind of a, a hard turn for doc though because 
he was never cold and callous, but he not even just Clara, but even with like Marty, uh, he is a much more emotional character in this movie. And it's something you're not really used to when you think of Dark Doc Brown. Uh, and granted, you know, God knows how much time has passed since he arrived in the Old West. Right, but, but riddle me this, Cloud, though. Isn't it, couldn't you argue that he's only nice to Marty because Marty's the one who comes back and tells him he's successful? So he's bonded to Marty. He has to be nice to Marty, keep Marty happy. And that he likes Marty because Marty helps him achieve his own personal goals. But he Clara writes Clara literally up. falls into his life on this absolute lightning bolt style moment. That, well, I want to get back to that moment, but. Uh, I mean, he still writes him like an incredibly like heartfelt letter, like that he brings him to tears, reading it himself, like down the road. And even he said, like, I didn't even know I was capable of doing something like this. Exactly, because future Marty tripped it up. The first thing Doc <laughs> would remember is future Marty coming and saying, "Hey, I'm Future Boy. We got to build this machine. It worked." <laughs> That's where their relationship starts. Of course, you like that guy, you know. <laughs> So you think I'll tell you, Marty a scene in this totally movie that I absolutely adore, right? And I, he saves Clara from this. We got, we'll got. we get to, like, Doc being an absolute Wild West badass out of nowhere in a minute. But he saves Clara from the carriage. And he even said earlier, he's like, I'm a man of science. I don't believe in love at first sight. Fuck her. We're not going to go pick her up, right? He catches her. He pulls her onto his horse. The moment they lock eyes, I literally swooned. I was like, oh, I like it actually I felt like I was elevated in my soul. I felt so happy in that moment. That, Unlike I have in the whole series. <laughs> I love that I love the I, idea of the man whose entire life is pursuits of science, these big, crazy, scary ideas. And at the at the end it is just this this lovely little fable moment, right? Maybe all of this was just to lead him to this one person, the only person he'll ever love. I thought that was great, man. Like, I don't know, maybe I'm getting old and soft, but that really, truly worked for me a lot in this movie. This is a Doc movie. This isn't a Marty yeah, movie. Yeah, this is the Doc movie. This is the Doc movie. And I, I feel like you, 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 when you go and focus two movies worth of material towards Marty, this is kind of what you need to do with the third movie. You can't have two people uh, through the majority of a series and not the other one get uh, you know, a, a, a part of it, a part of the series. And usually if you have a trilogy, uh, by the time the trilogy ends, you've really uh, uh, looked at all the characters that are in that trilogy. And uh, I got to hey, I gotta admit, too, like, do, do we really think when we see Doc, Mary Steenburgen's a fox, does that really happen? Are we are we convinced that Mary Steenburgen looks at uh, like, like looks at him and says, hey, you. You're a good looker, but I, I, thought it was a, I thought it was a sweet combination, but at the same time, yeah. I'm like, man, good on you, Doc. You, you, you really yeah. roped in a, uh, you, you really roped in a looker. Well, not, I mean, we, the average guy we see throughout this movie, I was like, yeah, Doc's like comparable yeah, to that. Like, like, like in the eighties, Doc is maybe like West. a five. He's a good looking man. Yeah, he's in got the teeth. old West, he, yeah, he has yeah. teeth, he shaves, he probably has some kind of like hygiene in his like giant barn yeah, i was like yeah he probably is a little bit better right he's a, he's a 1985 six but an 1885 nine <laughs> that's a great point hey hey we could all do worse yeah i but then what i like too i just i love every fucking scene with them and it's weird because usually things like that that are so saccharine really bother me 
I, I don't always love the love at first sight, but in this movie, when we're dealing with these big, big questions, right? It's kind of nice to just take it back to, hey, man, there's really one thing that moves every bit of our existence, right? Everything all of us do is to try to accrue more love, right? That's why people want to be powerful, rich, whatever. It's because that at the that's all we want. And what we see is that Doc, that's when we met Doc, right, in the 1950s, he's, well, first we meet him, he's a fucking, like, dog endangering terrorist essentially <laughs> then we go back in the 50s and he's a guy in a giant empty house with cats trying to build a giant brainwave to detect emotions and thoughts which tells you how fucking lonely and clueless he is and this is the movie where we see that oh all of this was worth something man like yeah i i i don't know it should have bothered me but when they just have that moment of looking through the telescope i like those moments just really and that's that's why I think the western is such a clever addition to this cuz the first two movies are frenetic right they're just wild high energy movies jumping 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 the great thing about western is great stillness and quiet and what has to fill the frame if there's not all of these other things if we're not constantly doing fast cuts the actors have to fill that fucking frame and I feel like they did a great job of that in this movie and yeah. I think that the, you also have to you also have to build up a reason as to why Doc is so adverse uh, to uh, uh, keeping the time travel, uh, the DeLorean around. Uh, mm -hmm. And I think that this movie did a good job of like to your point, they sat around being like, Jesus Christ, like I I'm in the West. I could die tomorrow. I could be right. hung. <laughs> yeah. like I, I could get I could get malaria and die tomorrow because we don't have a cure. Uh, so, so this is a problem that this exists. And, and by the way, the, the, the thing that blew my mind that I didn't think about, because I watched these all when I was a kid was that by the time that this movie had wrapped up, I was like, these motherfuckers have only lived like 48 hours of an actual yeah. day in the 1980s <laughs> at this point. Yeah. Like there's yeah, been sure. three movies and there have been like five loves and there's been at least a dozen different versions of the world. And it's like, yeah. It was enough time to like, I, I, I don't know, go to school twice or go see a couple movies. Like it, it, it was such a short time frame, um, but 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 they had to build in this idea that at the end of the day, Doc had to have a reason to make sure that time travel was impossible and we needed to get rid of it because we saw what the ramifications were. So that's never going to play itself into being a, a, a this fantabulous third movie because that means you're still building on the idea that time travel needs to be this this solver of things well we've seen that it only ruins things so we have to make sure right. we put that to bed and i think a lot of people really they don't like that they still liked this crazy idea that you could still time travel and and that wasn't the purpose yeah. of, uh, of the third film but i think too to that point though what makes it so fascinating is they do that the whole movie and then at the end the climax of doc choosing against his science mind and going back to save her and then floating off on a hoverboard which now exists in the wild west <laughs> it, i mean to me yeah, that's like no that's one of those fucking poster moments right that's one of those there's a guy who wrote a book called story right i think his name was robert mckee and he, he talks about the art of screenwriting whatever and his theory if i remember it correctly he's like audiences don't remember motives they don't really remember a lot of that kind of stuff. Audiences remember the one or two big moments, right? That makes them feel an inordinate amount. And him choosing Clara and hovering off 
and he just he's not looking at marty he's not looking at the train earlier in the movie he said it'll be a spectacular crash if only someone was there to see it and in that moment all he does is look in her eyes see i'm getting all fucking like this yeah he looks in her eyes and just smiles it's he's the happiest we've seen him in the trilogy and to me i'm like that's the moment that's the back to the future three moment that tells you everything and the next thing we see is that yeah. now he's this you know captain nemo on this amazing ship traveling through time with you know a loving family so he wanted to destroy the delorean but then he comes full circle well you know it, <laughs> it's it's really kind of i, I thought that was poetic so, i love that so you love it in the sense that this is like one of your favorite love stories essentially i mean that's a big part but i mean imagine this though if in return of the jedi they're like Let's really take the time to round out Chewbacca. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like give him a lot to do so that we understand a lot more. I mean, Doc Brown essentially was a mover of the plot in the first. And a very fucking good one that we love because he's our zany friend. But, you know, he's like a Kramer on Seinfeld. He pops in to do a bit. We don't really latch on an enormous amount. This is the... And the, the moment I knew is when they go to the town square, right? We have our famous town square scene, which we have in all three movies. And in this one, Marty's actually getting fucking dragged by a horse. He's wildly uncool showing up in his, you know, dime store cowboy outfit. Everyone's fucking with him. And Doc Brown just strolls in like a motherfucking badass. Yeah. Shoots yeah. down the rope and stands. And you're like, oh, man, Doc Brown just stole this movie. That, that's this is Doc Brown's is, fucking movie right now. That sniper rifle is iconic in this movie. Like It's, it's only an on awesome screen. scene. It's only on screen for, what, probably like 20 seconds. But you remember yeah. that that rifle. I just remember that scene because you're like, wait, so Doc Brown now is like he's lit he turns into uh, Kurt Russell from Tombstone. <laughs> you're like, what just happened? Like that's our first time seeing Doc Brown, and I just remember being like, huh, what? This is yeah, awesome. <laughs> Doc, 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 Doc is over here being able to shoot the wings off a fly, where uh, where where Marty's uh, basically creating the first um, uh, golf. Uh, what is it called? Frisbee golf group. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Ultimate phrase, bro. <laughs> yeah. but, but like, that's, not, that's not cool at all, bro. Because he is probably the smartest man in the world at that point in time. He's the yeah. second smartest man in the world, Marty McFly. Uh, no, but Doc. The, oh, Doc, Doc Brown is definitely yeah. the smartest man in the world. At yeah, that Doc, and that that's actually what makes him a badass in that time. So that's kind of a cool aspect right? of the character. He's not big and tough and, you know, just guns blazing or like muscle bound he's just a super smart guy and that makes him incredibly powerful in that time um, yeah. and it's cool like even so, the tat scene at the dance right when he's like we see doc brown's ready to literally fist fight four guys for the honor of clara this is a new doc brown man so i have to pivot just real quick is this our favorite version of bisf tannin no 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 i'm still I'm still pleasure paradise to Biff Tannen for me. <laughs> I, I, I like the Donald Trump Biff, I which am, is weird. I feel like that would be less interesting now. <laughs> I am a hundred percent on board with old West Biff Tannen. I, I, I love it. Uh, it get, it, I think it, I, because I feel like he looked the way that he should be personified, which is just yeah. a shitty, terrible, grizzled, 
uh, yeah. bad teeth looking mofo uh, with his lackeys again. Like I, I, I felt like it was a, a, a great way to go and bring on board what, what, what I thought he, he really was in the other two movies. Uh, and on top of that, this, this was kind of like, the, I guess the most, what's a weird, it's a weird way of saying this, but not to say he was intimidating, but this was, this felt villainous to me. This felt like really villainous oh, yeah. right from the, right from the get go that he would, he played the part well. He was the scariest Biff. I'll say that just because he was a loose cannon. And none exactly. of the other Biffs would shoot. Would they shoot they added a, mix a good of all thing of it. too. Yeah. Uh, Cause they added the uh, Biff who gets emotionally overwhelmed and cries. Yeah. Right. Like when he gets oh, made fun of by at the dance, you see him tear up and you're yeah. like, I now see the origin of this psychological trauma <laughs> that takes us all the way to Pleasure Palace, Bib. I Because it, in the Wild West, you can never be tough enough. No, no, no. You know, and I, and I thought that was a great addition. The fact that they said, hey, at the town square, maybe cry a little. That's just one of those like you to like to Kevin's point, you totally understand this character. And you're making a small choice that a lot of people will miss. But when you see it, it adds everything to that character. Because even in Back to the Future 2, they show us Wild West murdering gunslinger Biff Mad Dog Tannen, right? And you're like, oh, that's how they've shaped their family narrative. You go back and see this guy is really struggling with a lot of things. (laughs) I thought it was great, man. Compensating for their own insecurities. Yeah. He that that essentially every... was the entire theory of the Wild West. That's essentially every bully. You have to kill everything at all times because everything's trying to kill you. <laughs> I think he really would have benefited from having his own psychiatrist at that point. Yeah. Um, yeah, right. you know, someone to talk to. Someone to unload his problems to. He needed a doc. I don't know what the macho bully it. version of doc is, but he needed to find a doc, right? Marty found doc and it helped him. Yeah. He needed to a find a doc. Percent. You know who it, it, could have been it, his doc is Marshall Strickland. What's that? Marshall Strickland could have been Biff's doc. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Marshall Strickland's cameo in this is so fucking good. <laughs> I loved it. Totally agree. Dude, um, what you need to do is just get so, one more time travel, get Billy Crystal, throw him in the time machine, and just have him partner up. <laughs> You're going to City Slickers up. Back to the Future 3? City Slickers slash analyze this slash Back to the Future Four. So oh, you're, gotcha. you're like, so what you're doing is a multiplicity of Billy Crystal's to City <laughs> Slicker Biff. This is like really in depth movie metaing. <laughs> I, I, I think that one of the one of the things that the other movies did was that Biff was just an asshole and a bully, but it was like the first time that we really ran into him, he straight up was going to murder Marty. Like, oh yeah. Yeah. He, he I mean, just, Marty. Just, what Marty was lynched. Marty yeah. was hanging right there. Uh, which, which, which. By the way, half-ass internet research on this one. It, he did pass out. Like there was a malfunction. With, yeah, there was a malfunction with the the noose uh, and, and and the contraption that was having Jesus him hanging. Christ. And he he absolutely passed out during that. Uh, I don't want to say almost died, but I guess if you're gonna pass out, that's probably close to dying. Well, yeah. But yeah, if you pass out, no. you're probably like close. Yeah, my my my, my, my Jesus man. Christ. Damn, they didn't have much time to get him back down. He may have no, almost not at all. Michael J. Fox. So, so so I mean, if we go back to the first one, Marty was never in. Uh, Marty being close to death had nothing to really do with Biff because he was more of a bully, and mm-hmm. it, it it like 
Biff's uh, goal wasn't to kill him. In the second one, Biff definitely was killing him. Yeah. He had a gun. He was going to shoot him. Oh, and yeah. This, but but it, it was a it was a lead up. It was a lead up. He knew Marty and raised Marty at this point. So it was kind of a build. This was just straight up. I'm taking you and I'm going to lynch you. And I think yeah. that 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 escalated the uh, hatred of Biff so much more in this one as Mad Dog. And I guess that's why I it I, I don't know why my hatred means I like him more, but I just like this character. I liked this version of Biff probably more than the other. But um, how did we... Well, you said it in part two. Biff is the wildly underappreciated part of this series. Like this, yes. mo- this series does not work to me without Biff. Yeah. He's an integral part of how w- great this series is. I don't think it works without anybody except for Jennifer. Jennifer is the only non-essential character. <laughs> There's well, they no literally fucking... switched the goddamn person that played her. Yeah, it's not yeah. Goddamn it, Cloud! Leave Jennifer in the trash like Marty and Doc did. Leave her alone. <laughs> Put Some her things on the porch. Yeah. <laughs> by the way, are we a little bit uh, unnerved that um, Marty, in his old version, is absolutely railing his mother in the yes. old version as Leah Thompson? Like, I feel like that is a little bit concerning that they are definitely right. knocking boots and they are well this this falls into my time as a vindictive god theory <laughs> right yeah. like so every time marty wakes up somewhere there's a hey you should or want to fuck your mom moment <laughs> right the last one it was the fake tits and whatever right where he's just like ah! <laughs> this one he shows up and sees a ginger version of himself Fucking an old West version of him. I mean, he doesn't literally see the fucking, but he knows they get the gist. There's a baby. Yeah, that didn't happen on accident. <laughs> and it is appalling that Marty must keep facing this. Yeah. And it is the one oh, you're thing you do. know that he's well, taking with him back to 1985. You can reset timelines all you want. Marty is always going to see his mom as the girl that wanted to J.O. him in the car. The yeah. girl with the fake tits. The girl that was riding him like a cowgirl. Like, Marty will always see his mom that way, no matter how many timelines compile. (laughs) (laughs) That is why time is like, stop it. Stop it. It's a little bit problematic. If that becomes a fuck up in the future, the car accident has nothing to do with it. It's just that deep Oedipus complex that he is struggling to do. Well, he only wants to drive so fast to run away from these (laughs) horrific memories. (laughs) His mom is a sex object. Griffey, we, al- <laughs> we, we also have to build a reason as to why Marty wants the time machine to explode. And uh, I think that that pretty much nails it when uh, you've gone back in time three different times. And that's what the world is trying to tell you. That's the time. Yeah, right. <laughs> Motive yeah. to kill the time I was going to ask you guys about this. Uh, I, we talked about it briefly at the end of uh, episode two podcast. I'm still finding it weird that time sent them to this spot. Right, I love that this movie gets into the kind of fantasy version of this, which is we go back to the actual dedication of the clock, right? Which becomes this symbol for the whole series and remains in every future we ever see the clock exist. And it's kind of a Doctor Who bit, right? Which Doctor Who already existed in the world by the time. The Doc was supposed to go back to meet Clara at the dedication of the clock in this one point that has become a confluence of all of time and space, right? So that then him and his wife and his two sons that we see at the end of the movie can go around possibly correcting timelines. Like this movie, this, the end of this trilogy is kind of a, Hey, we are going to be the American version of Dr. Who. 
Yeah, the yeah. Once you get like to the to the end, that's kind of like one thing where it does pun unintended kind of goes off the rails. Where oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> don't where, say pun intended when where, it's that good. It, it, Leave it, that it, shit there. <laughs> oh, Mike froze. He'll get there soon. <laughs> He's really making this point right now. And he's touching his face, which he told me I shouldn't be doing. I froze it. Yeah, yeah, there you, you go. <laughs> All right, so make your point. Just start again. Make it a point again. <laughs> face toucher. It's, it, it's kind of in line and not in line at the same time where Doc is constantly saying, I wish I had never invented that damn time machine. We shouldn't do it. We need to destroy it as soon as possible. And every chance they try and get to destroy it, then something else goes wrong that they need it. So when they finally don't actually need it anymore and things are good, he's like, you know what? I'm going to create a time machine. And well, then, he didn't know he had designed. He thought the DeLorean was a time machine, not a pussy wagon. <laughs> that's the difference. At the end, he's he like, did, he "Oh, damn!" What? Like, uh, <laughs> you want to try like, like you know, like fantasy theories? Like one thing I was thinking about is like maybe like Doc Brown is like some kind of like time god because he's. Well, no, I think the god of time has chosen him. Well, he's right, for the, ages. him and Clara and Jules and Vern, who are going to become some kind of weird Damien-style geniuses. Right? Maybe not Damien. That's probably the worst of the children to compare him to. But you know what I mean? Like, they're go- you think they're just going to show up places and not handle? Like, they are now time operatives. Well, I, well, I was just thinking, like, maybe the whole thing of, like, Doc's frustration with the time was all just an act. Taking Marty along for the ride. And then once all that was set and done, he's like, you know what? Time to do a new time machine and go off and do something else. No, like, I, I don't it, agree with that. I think he legitimately... Cause, one of the better scenes in the movie, to me, but if we're doing Kevin's what's your favorite moment, right? The scene when Doc realizes he can't bring Clara, right? He has to not do it. And he stays up at the campfire, and he's like, I got to go at least say goodbye to her, right? And he goes and he tells her the truth, right? The first time he's told anyone this kind of like, hey, I'm a time traveler now. Maybe the first time he's said that out loud about himself, and he's like, this fucking sucks, right? Yeah. <laughs> Because Doc's had a lot more adventures in other timelines than any other character we've seen. He tells her that, and she slams the door in her face, and she cries, and there's just this heartbreaking moment where after she slams the door, he goes, but it's true. And then we see him go to the bar, and I was like, that, to me, I don't think it's an act, right? I think he really, truly hates the time machine in that moment. Because imagine, I think at that moment, and all the way up until he doesn't, Doc truly thinks he's leaving the one thing in any time or space that will ever matter to him. Yeah. But that, and I think he's willing to do it until fate and or time and or God itself brings her to him. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I, I thought that moment, that moment of Doc just like, but it's true. Absolute heartbreaker. Like that, that was one of my favorite moments of Doc in all the movies. Loved it. Yeah, and we kind of have to go back to the fact that, like, because this is Doc's movie, he needed to have that moment. Um, we've already removed the fact that Jennifer uh, doesn't fucking matter at this point. Um, and, <laughs> poor Jennifer. And so, I, yeah, poor Jennifer. Uh, I love Elizabeth, uh, Elizabeth Shue, but we can't bring her into this film. Um, but I think that, like, uh, the, the, the way that he becomes so attached so quickly by the way i'm not gonna fault this movie for being a disney movie i can't fault it for the fact that they fell in love (laughs) within 48 hours i get it like you have to move the narrative along but it's like 
I I, th- I thought it was um kind of sweet that that that. And by the way, I have to think of it this way too. That back in those days, you did have to fall in love pretty quickly because you definitely could have died just from things um, in the world. <laughs> Average life, so, like forty-two. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just snatch onto it as quickly as possible. So I, I think, I, like, I, I enjoyed that part of it. But I, I, if 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 there was a thing that I think that I I missed from uh, that relationship, it's just that. I don't know, maybe a couple of extra days, maybe a couple of extra moments. Uh, there was the, the, obviously they hung out at the dance, um, uh, the very first time that they met. Uh, if there had been a little bit of like a uh, um, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid montage of them, you know, going through the fields or whatever, I think it probably would have been a little bit more uh, up my alley. Uh, but it, it, it still was great. And I still appreciate uh, that relationship and I thought it was a really good relationship uh, do we think that um, uh, when it comes to Marty in this film that he was underutilized properly utilized like what was the Marty story in all this I think Marty for the first time in the series realizes he's a bit at the mercy of Doc because in all the other movies he's truly at the mercy of Doc fixing the time machine but he has other missions. This is the one where he truly has no real mission, right? So this is Mar- Marty's time to sit and reflect on who he is, what he's been doing. And this is where we get the chance for him to try to learn the lesson of, hey, you're fucking uh, hating the word chicken or yellow could get you. Ki-. So he does have a nice little mission, right? Well, they start I mean, granted, he's not falling in love or knocking boots with Clara after the barn, which definitely is the extra montage we were missing right the uh before sunrise moment with them just like talking of like reading jules verne to each other in the buff but i think marty has a marty has a fine ma- marty's kind of relegated to being doc he has one important thing to do or learn you know because yeah he's kind of yeah they do have a little bit of switch now he's yeah. touching his face again and picking his nose <laughs> I appreciate the fact that his video camera is actually waiting until the moment to show him where he gets COVID. So we keep. Yeah, uh... right. <laughs> I'll send him this video when it's over. Here's Mike's COVID <laughs> moments. Uh, but uh, so I, I did enjoy obviously Marty's integral to the entire story, but the fact that they kind of made me made his story not important to the timeline or, or not that his narrative wasn't the most important part was, was kind of great because he taking a backseat means that he can do more of the bit stuff in the first place. I cannot stress enough how much I love the first moment that they go back to the old West. Like I love that they have the scene of the old in an old drive-in movie theater and that he drives through it. And it immediately is a Cowboys and Indians moment uh, with, 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 um, and he's stuck in the middle of it. And then there's the bear and then there's like him getting his shoes, uh, not having his shoes there. Like how they built on 10 minutes worth of a scene was fantastic. And, and how they immediately made him a fish out of water that, that, that really painted the narrative for the rest of the movie of this weird dude named Clint Eastwood kind of moseying into this town. I, I, I I really loved how they introduced him. Uh, I, I don't know whether or not you guys felt like, um, when he went back into that period, whether or not that was kind of like a fun transition or if you were like put off. Cause it's like, I hate the old West. I mean, what were your thoughts? I, I, you bring up one thing that was like interesting though, the, the shoes, 
where they make this like point. You guys can hear me now, right? Yeah. Right, where they make this point <laughs> of you can't wear those out there. You got to wear these boots. You know, people will call you out. And then he gets chased by the bear and drops the boots to distract the bear and wanders into town. And nobody says a damn thing about his shoes. Like, it's never a part uh, of no of someone the no biff does he goes what's nikkei mean oh that's right he does they do they do, do, they do mock him but it's not like a hey what the fuck are those <laughs> oh, he's more mad about the brand if he had chosen reebok they would have been fine <laughs> that, that, I, 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 i'm pretty sure he would have been fucked no matter what i mean uh, that outfit definitely yeah. called for ridicule at that point yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, I, I i just i think it's weird that people of that time were so into their fashion palettes I would have thought they wouldn't have cared as yeah. much. He's just like, hey, this was the only thing to kill by me, and I made a shirt out of it. And they'd be like, <laughs> I totally understand, but not the No, I think I think one of the things too is by this movie somewhat reduces Marty down to the kind in a way they're just doing the Clint Eastwood with him, right? A lot of those old Clint Eastwood movies, we don't spend a lot of time getting to follow his emotional journey, right? He just shows up at this two dimensional stoic gunslinger. And that's what Marty becomes to these people and by proxy us in a little way. I mean, we see some extra stuff that makes him not, they kind of, they never shoot, figure out like why he's so good at shooting and doc is so good. I think again, this, this falls into my fantasy theory. Also like why none of the cavalry or native Americans were like, Hey, what the fuck is that? That fell in the middle of our chase. Right? Like They just kind of keep going about as if this is all some kind of clever, you know, life is a stage moment. But, yeah, I, I like that he becomes this kind of just Clint Eastwood figure, right? He's just there for one showdown, one duel. But they, and they, I, I think it works. They do talk about how why he's a good gunslinger in the second movie because he's really good at that arcade the game. The game. The game. That's right. And it's actually shooting Old West. Yes. Guys. Guys. Oh, yeah. You're they right. had it all back, my friend. <laughs> Even the, They had it all there. The, the chest plate. Like, Biff is watching that Clint Eastwood movie with the chest plate. And also, yeah. that's a throwback to part one where, thank God, no bad guys ever aim for your face. <laughs> right? Oh, right. Yeah. I totally like, Doc, the Libyans have machine guns. So, like, in theory of them, like, winging him in the face is much higher. You know, I guess in a duel, you would aim for the heart. So that works. But I thought we were yeah. going to get I thought we were going to get to this later in the conversation. But this is why, why I love it. Uh, this movie so much fun is that. You watch the second one, and you're like, motherfuck. Of yeah. course, that was the moment. Like, they're watching Clint Eastwood yeah. get shot, and he goes and uses it and throws it away. Like, I love that fucking moment. I thought that yes, was so much Clint fun. Yes, Clint Eastwood was on the TV. Yep. Yes, exactly. That exact moment was on. Oh, man, yeah. yeah. See, I had forgot. I even posted that shit on Twitter, and I forgot about it. <laughs> yeah, there's so much planted in the second movie. I have one issue with the duel, though. I have one issue with the duel, which is... I thought this was our moment for Marty to finally learn that don't take the bait about being yellow, right? Which he does in a way. He grabs, he's like, he's an asshole. I don't care. He grabs Doc and tries to escape out the back. And then we still force him right back into the duel. But I was he, like, he well, made he his does. choice. Well, he, he does lose. He does. He does learn this. He does yeah. learn it. It's just, he does leave. But then to pull him right back in, I was like, oh, no, 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 no. I meant like with the car at the end. He reverses yeah. well, no, 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 car. right. There's a double. I, I'm saying I thought watching it that that was our moment, oh, and I thought they undercut it. it a bit. And oh, then okay. come to find out it is the car. Yeah. Uh, his way of getting out of the car race, so I'm like, 
don't just don't drive. Don't slam yeah, right, in reverse yeah. at full speed. That's uh, also not good. Yeah. <laughs> now he's hit another Rolls Royce reckless. and caused another <laughs> another timeline meltdown. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, it was. I don't know. I I thought the duel was cool, man. It was, and this was him actually finally getting to pummel the shit out of Biff. Yeah, we saw yeah. George knock him out. You know, we saw him like fighting with him. This is when he finally gets to all the way take it to Biff. We have to appreciate the fact that the casting is so perfect because Michael J. Fox is the only guy that could be standing at like five foot three and five foot four that you could actually see him take on a guy the size of Biff because he's got yeah. this moxie to him that a lot of guys his size don't necessarily have or they don't seem like, especially his build, he's pretty slim. But it's like you don't doubt for a second that that dude's not like fucking. It, uh, you know what? It reminds me of like the old Punch Out game. Like this dude, like the little Punch <laughs> yeah. Out guy, like punk, punk, punching up his weight. Man, he was. Yeah. Like, it was well, the really old impressive. Punch Out game he, for Super Nintendo is like you fight an old man, yep. and the next guy you fight is like seven feet tall and five hundred yep. pounds. And wearing overalls, and you're like, "Wow, we're stepping it up a notch." <laughs> yeah. uh, so there was a moment, and I love where he hits him with the uh, plate that was on his chest. That was that was great too. Yes. But and then he falls in manure. I mean, it was just again, just pay manure off, after, after pay manure. Off, after but that was one thing I wondered. I was hoping to see something in the future timeline of Biff. We see he's still a car waxer, right? But I was wondering if that was going to change it more than that. Right, that maybe Biff had become some kind of decent person because he had gotten knocked into the shit all those years ago. No, so maybe Biff's made, timeline it made would it have been altered as well. Fifties Biff, yeah. he'd even been Biff that needed to be knocked out and put in his place. And still, right. old man Biff is still a dick and has a dick grandson. That's true. Yeah, that's, that's true. I, w- I don't know if it would have been cathartic or not to see Biff like come out the other side and be hey, okay. By the way, do we really think that they could have gotten, not to completely pivot the conversation, could they have gotten a train up to 88 fucking miles an hour? Like when they were doing that again, I was like, I don't know whether or not you, you like, yeah. does that exist? <laughs> like, do, do, I don't know. Do the, the, uh, I mean, in Japan, yeah, not in the like, old West. I don't know if the mechanics of a train would have held, even if you had enough power to push it to 80 miles per hour like that thing would have yeah. fallen apart <laughs> or is this again the hand of the god of time <laughs> and god coming of time in and pushing that, that fucking train exactly where we need <laughs> it's amazing i was wondering like one thing i missed i may not be remembering that bothered me too is okay so marty they can't they have to push the car because marty hit or ripped the fuel line uh, so they have to push it and what then they blew it out with booze. Yeah, well, they blew what out the whole manifold. Well, what happened to the car that Doc Brown got shot back in time with? That is the DeLorean. No. Okay, so the DeLorean that Doc Brown went back in time would still be there when Marty went back to get him. Oh. Yeah, I don't know if they talked about because it, it was buried in the mine. He can't. Well... Or did they mention that that's what he was taking apart for parts for? But then he would have the parts. Yeah, I guess maybe that's just a miss. That's just a miss. I don't. I don't know. Like I was always under the impression that that was that because Marty uses it in the future. Like it. Right. It, there would be two DeLoreans there. There's technically could be two DeLoreans. Yeah. 
Interesting. So yeah, like what happened to the other DeLorean? Because that would make things way easier. Well, maybe Doc <laughs> is too clouded by love. He's not supposed to have all this extra stuff. Maybe that, Doc doesn't want to go back as much. There, Doc. <laughs> I'm going to Reddit. Yeah, Reddit. Reddit will have some fucking insane theory. <laughs> All right, when Marty goes back in time using the DeLorean, Doc leaves him to create a situation where Marty has to come to the DeLorean that is currently sitting in the mine in 1883. I've always wondered what Doc did with the gas. Well, that's dumb. What Doc did with the gasoline that was in the DeLorean sitting in the mine. It's way more complicated in that there are several points throughout the series when there are between two to four DeLoreans in the same time. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, just to give you guys a heads up, this goes on for a while. I'm not going to go down it. Basically, if you no. want to go and have your brain But melt, you can imagine, like, when Old so Man Biff goes back, and then they go back also, you're like, that is so many DeLoreans in the 1950s. <laughs> like, they're hiding them everywhere. <laughs> that's, like, that's why I love, like, Rick and Morty, uh, like, kind of, like, having, like, a strong parallel to back to the future where they always talk about like, we're not doing time. We're not doing time. It's stupid. We'll do parallel dimensions, but we're not doing time. And like the one time that they do do time, it's like utter chaos because it's just this <laughs> of, of things in a single time because people keep going back and back and back and back to try and change that exact moment that something was changed. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so there'd be like infinite DeLoreans. <laughs> That's what I like about this movie is we kind of stop and just take a breath and it's it's just nice to spend time with the characters where they're not con i mean there's st they still have things to accomplish but it's just a slower tale of these two men figuring out their own shit right they're not necessarily grappling with the consequences of time travel in this movie they're right. grappling with their own inner issues right and i thought i i don't know that that really works for me allows you to get i mean i appreciate it but when you and I may be just be being a dick here, but it kind of gets you kind of lost in the forest for the trees uh, that when you you do get distracted from those finer points when you start like a movie that's about time travel. When you think about. Oh. Well, here's the question. Did it did it really distract you when you were watching it or does it only distract you when it's over and you're just left to think about it more and more? Like, does it ruin the experience? Because you're like, there has to be a second DeLorean here. No, I, I don't think so. I mean, that was one of the best things that Bob did as a writer was that he didn't he didn't get stuck in the minutiae of time travel. Otherwise, you, I mean, you no, absolutely but, can't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the audience I mean, it's that, the clouds, Rick and Morty point. It's like you cannot get caught on those things. Yeah. Or you will never no. make them just them existing and him having blacksmithed and him having made an ice cube machine <laughs> in the old west. Even when they leave, someone's going to find that bar yeah. and be like, what is this? Right. That's and that will irrevocably <laughs> alter everything. Right. right? <laughs> so you, can't, you cannot let yourself get caught up in those moments. If yeah. leaving, and again, if, if, think if of time as a God that defends and controls itself. That answers some of these. If things. leaving an almanac to the in the wrong hands means <laughs> that Biff becomes uh, like Donald Trump Jr., uh, I can't imagine what a hoverboard in 1885 would do to the rest of the world. I'm pretty sure, pretty sure the whole world yeah. explodes at that point. Well, let's say even without the hoverboard and Doc and Marty leave, Biff comes back for his revenge when he gets out of jail to murder Doc Brown. And he's like, 
what is this contraption? And then he becomes, Biff becomes like the Henry Ford of America, right? <laughs> and he's like this vastly wealth early father of America. There's an even scarier never a wheeled vehicle. There's never a wheeled <laughs> Always cars. Uh, Biff ends up ruling the world with hoverboard cowboys that have sniper rifles that he stole from Doc. I'm just saying. Telescope lens sniper rifles, yeah. And yeah. iced tea. <laughs> and, and, and they and they ride in trains that have magic logs that make it go 88 miles an hour. <laughs> <laughs> See, I actually think stuff like the magic logs and this and that, I think it's a direct shot at the fans. I think it's a, guys, have fun. Stop. Yeah. Stop it. Like, just sure have fun. Because, again, we talked about this too. The, the absolute core of Back to the Future and why it's so beloved and why it's better than other movies of its ilk is because you're supposed to care about these guys, these people, right? And so if you're too busy worrying about the time travel, you're missing the thing that makes Back to the Future great. You're right. No. And I think the logs, it's literally just color-coded logs with one, two, three on them. And Doc's like, yeah, no big deal. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and that's, that's the like, writers like, and directors telling us, like, chill out. Well, and we're about to be on a train. Chill out. <laughs> one, one, one moment that I thought was so funny when I was watching it was, was where they hooked up like six or six or eight horses to the DeLorean and he just started like yes! taking it like a stagecoach. And then whilst sitting on the DeLorean, <laughs> Doc goes, horses only run like 40 miles an hour. And in my head, I'm like, if you fucking knew that going in, wouldn't you have just saved yourself the hassle of having a bunch of horses running in the general direction with it? We definitely missed that. All of the horses break their leg and Doc has to kill him with his awesome gun scene. <laughs> we definitely missed that one. Do you imagine how much work was put into that harness to adapt it to pull a DeLorean and how much work Marty probably did? He would have to have been pissed at that moment where he's like, wait, what? He, Marty at wait, that point is just like, Doc, whatever, get me, me out of here. Yeah, I'm about to get murdered in the streets before breakfast. Like, get me the fuck out of here. <laughs> oh, that's another great scene we, we missed, too, is when uh, Doc is having his emotional moment. And I love yeah. that throwback to remember July 4th, Doc. And we're like, dude, are we about to see hardcore alcoholic Doc? We've already seen him as like Tombstone Doc. Yeah. Horse riding expert Doc. And all, you know, even knows that time is sending Clara in his path because the snakes spooked the horses. We're like, something bad's going on with Doc. And he's about to get hammered. And when he's just sitting there telling them about the future and they're just laughing. And <laughs> Marty comes in. How many has he had? No. Nothing. He just likes to hold it. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking thought that was so good. What Such is, a brilliant addition. That was brilliant. What is in the cocktail that he drinks to wake him up? Oh, God. Yeah, it's like that every pickles. spicy hot thing. <laughs> the wake-up juice. Like pickle juice, <laughs> uh, hot sauce, and I think a bar mat. Do we think do, do we think Worcestershire was in there? Maybe some Worcestershire. Oh, yeah. Stuff? Yeah, yeah. For sure. Like an A1 I remember or watching that and, like, I, I never had a guttural reaction as a kid watching it. As an adult, like, I can taste oh. that. Yeah, you're just like literal stomach aches for a week. I can't believe in college we never tried that though. Right? Wake up juice. Like that that feels like something one of us is as guys who all lived in a house together and drank too much. One of us would have pulled that reference. Yeah. But like, I wonder if that works. <laughs> How we never did wake up juice with any of us in the dorm. Like, yeah. That's a missed you mean, wait, what about when we lived together? Come on. I mean, I know, that's what I mean. Like, we needed it so bad. If that would have worked, that would have, 
I don't know. Maybe I would have had better grades. I would have actually gone to class. Who knows? I feel like you might have actually <laughs> me, though, if I had stuck a funnel in your mouth and poured that down your throat. Like, I, If I woke I, up non-hungover, though, <laughs> I would have been cool. If I woke up hungover and full of wake-up juice, then I would have killed you. <laughs> this is this is a no-win game, right? You have to you have to succeed, and then we'll be cool. I feel like we should have like we would have had to do it with like somebody like Sam. That's true. All right, what do we? What else do we have to cover here before we wrap up with our trilogy debate? Um. I mean, I I feel like we've done a pretty good job. Uh, I just need to heart. I I need to go back to the fact that this has one of my favorite openings again. We already acknowledged it, yes. but it's like how it immediately goes into him freaking out and how they've got to figure out how to go and send him back is just fantastic. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, again, I, I thought it was a. This sounds so corny, guys, but I thought it was a beautifully filmed movie. Cinematography-wise, oh, yeah. there's great, great shots of the Old West. I thought it was uh, gorgeous. Um, uh, it was a lot of fun to watch. Uh, the the um, uh, I, I got to wonder how in the hell that place turned into the Two Pines at some point. Like, it doesn't even look like... like, like <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I never a, thought of that. De- that's a desert. It's a like, full-on desert. What are you talking about? Like, it's the I thought about there desert. are... There like, is that there is a scene with pine trees. I did think about that, but there is in the background. They have like eight cool, pine trees. like five. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's really um, like, is the uh, does the gulch have pine trees? Am I remembering that right? Is that where they are? Yeah, I think so. Um, but wow. but but if listen, if we're going to be taking those into consideration, how many <laughs> how many fucking gulches are there in some rural suburban areas? <laughs> like um, gulches are like prevalent uh, i'm here in indiana there's yeah. no gulch yeah um, no so this I, is like I, I was like is this the town from parasite where it, it rains on the rich and, <laughs> and the poor just... people get flooded <laughs> yeah, yeah they're i was like screwed. this town has bad geography for the the lone pine mall or whatever um <laughs> the, so the only thing that we haven't covered is the end which i thought was very appropriate i thought the destruction of it was great uh of the delorean was great i did get like choked up because i was like oh my god that delorean has been with us for well for Iconic. them for, yeah, but in real life, it's only existed for like 48 hours. But for them, it was like, yeah, days or weeks and months. But um, and, and then seeing Jules and Vern and everybody and that the yeah. and it kind of gave us that final Back to the Future moment where the, the, oh. the, the train goes the alt, right the like one of the all time coolest ships ever made ever. Yep. Right. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I, I mean, to me, that was the thing. Like the moment of the DeLorean being smashed is rough. Marty coming back and walking through the wreckage. He sees this destroyed flux capacitor and everything else. And he's just like, he's really gone, man. Like, I'll miss, like that was a, cause this is the one where it, you started feeling those things, right? Where you're like, Oh man. All right. It's, it's done. And We're when done. doc came back and he, he just has like this weirdly optimistic note, which we haven't seen where he's just, you know, the future isn't written. So make it a good one. And you see this happy guy just going off, right? Where he's like, you know, I've already been here, there, wherever. Like, I'm just loving life, right? And he gives Marty a chance to do that again. And we've seen Marty avoid the crash. I I thought it was really great, man. Because <laughs> I, I, I think it's weird that people wanted it to go out on a downer note, it felt like. Where, like, Doc is trapped and he doesn't have the cool train and the family. And he's, like, jumping time. To me, I was like, this is, like, awesome, like, that, that's the awesome way you want it. Like, this is not the series where I want to see Doc and Marty get their comeuppance, right? Like, yeah, yeah. I like, well, and- I like these guys. I wanted them to be happy. And Doc being happy, I think, is kind of 
Because who saw that ending coming? Who saw Doc ending the series, right? When we first see Doc, who thought his last moment would be happily with his beautiful wife and family, you know, traveling time and space and just truly enjoying the fruits of all of his uh, labor to be super smart. And let me let me throw out a hypothetical. Marty ends up being a multimillionaire. And the reason why is because, number one, he knows all the investments for the future. He knows what has survived and what Jackets, he needs to put money into. He knows the hoverboards. And, <laughs> and he went and took every single cent that he had in 2019 and put it on the Cubs at the beginning of the season yeah, to win right. the World Series. And oh, that dude – Oh, I'm sorry. I said 2019. 2015 in the movie, yeah. 2015. <laughs> yeah. And put, put it on the Cubs, and he just – went to the bank man he cashed out yeah he doesn't need an almanac you just so need to know that. I, yeah that's kind of a time travel really cheat does. right if you just read the almanac and don't bring it back still, <laughs> if your memory's strong you're still all right he's just yeah 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 i just, did, I just thought it was great man like th- this is the mo- again i think that's the good thing back to the future does is by the end of this you're not supposed to sit and ponder all the scientific ramifications you get you get one more great scene with these two guys, and that's that's all the movie is. I do wonder if there's another universe where Doc just floats off with Clara. We never see them again, and Marty just finds that picture somewhere. Yeah. Right? And that that still is enough for him. I don't know. Because Doc floating off with Clara to me was one of the ultimate movie moments in the series. Yeah, I, I wouldn't have seen that as like a downer if Doc had stayed in the Old West and it was just no. happy – and lived his yeah. life out. Like, that wouldn't have been a downer. I think what they're afraid of is that then you open up even more of this paradox shit. But they just... Right? By saying Doc has removed himself from all timelines while also inserting himself into all timelines. He's creating... That's easier. Paradox now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> uh, do that... Again, like, yeah, you're right, though. I mean, as far as, like, a, a feel, a tone, a note, yeah, it's a totally appropriate ending. Like, it's a fun series... It's a fun ending. If you don't overthink it, it's great. Um, yeah, my, and it leaves yeah, your my, heart my, soaring where you want to do it again. Yeah, right. Yeah, you keep. You, you, the worst thing a trilogy can do is like when the Matrix ended, and I just went, "Fuck!" <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> like, oh, they're telling us that Neo is just like a Windows program, like an operating system, and we have to re-add it every two years. And like, fuck! Right? Like this one made me want to come back to the future. <laughs> See what I did? All right, so we got to do it as we wrap out this all-time amazing series. So I think the list of best trilogies is pretty small, right? Um, Like I said, I think The Matrix is an immediate disqualification because whatever part three was just was a struggle, right? I think if you're talking original IP trilogies, it really is only this, Indiana Jones... In Star Wars, right? Those are like the big three original. Tri- but Star Wars now is like nine fucking movies. Yeah, and, well, I mean, that's Jones not original IP, though. No, it was. George Lucas created that from scratch. Oh, I thought it was based on a book. Oh, Japanese thing, well, wasn't it? Well, he essentially made a version of Hidden Fortress. But no, he, got he it, made got an it, got original it, got IP. Okay. okay. Um, so, I mean, but, this is but that has gone on to be like a big series series, right? right. But so let's just take Star Wars out, right? Yeah, and, I know and, people will be no, mad about that. Fine. But um, what, are, what are the big trilogy? I mean, this, Indiana Jones. Alien. But Alien is Aliens. also five, a- six, a- seven a- Alien now. Three, I Alien count. 3 is garbage. That doesn't even count. 
How dare I'm actually a huge Alien 3 defender. No, I love Alien 3. The only thing I hate about Alien 3 is that Ripley settles for Tywin Lannister as the guy we're going to see her fuck in the movie. Instead <laughs> of Hicks. Um, so I, 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 I'll throw the, my two to you guys. It's uh, the Toy Story trilogy and the Bourne identities. The Bourne movies. Wait, Those is Toy really... Story 4 now? Does Toy yeah, Story have 4 now? Or, uh, it's hard to like, it make does, trilogy. But it, if you it, capped it, it Toy Story it. 3 is probably the best third movie of any yeah. trilogy. Right. If you, like Star Wars three or Toy Story three becomes so weirdly profound. Yeah. Well, right? I mean, like they, they redid it. <laughs> I, ironically, you could throw the Dollars trilogy on there. Fistful the of dollars. Fistful of dollars. Oh yeah. For a few dollars yeah. more, yeah. and the good, the bad, and the ugly. That's right. So, that that those are original. I know people will say a lot of people say Godfather, but Godfather three was three a was big right. fucking step down to me. Yeah, Godfather three was terrible. It's like considered one of the worst movies of all time, isn't it? No, I mean, it's not as bad as people remember, but, it, I mean, it's definitely, a, like, how did this slide in here? Yeah. Uh, what, well, I, what I love but, about but, the but, Back to the Future series, because, like, Indiana Jones is three different movies that could all play on their own. Also, that then got a fourth. The Godfather the thing about Back to the Future that's, yes, it was it was. And that's book, true, right? too. I'm, I'm trying to think. If we just do, like, non-original trilogies, I don't even know what the fuck's out there except for The uh, Matrix, uh, which uh, sucks. Evil Dead's. <laughs> Evil Dead, Evil Dead 2, and yeah. the Army of Although, that's, and that's, see, what I like about Back to the Future, though, I think gives it a little extra trilogy cred, is how it so perfectly blends and melds to where they're all so important to every movie. Everything we see yeah. throughout is wildly important to every step we take. So, I, I mean, really, to me, it's Evil Dead, this, and, like, the original three Star Wars trilogy, had they just stopped there. I mean, I think those are the three that are so head and shoulders above. Because Indiana Jones is essentially just three serialized movies that don't really matter as a connected journey. And to me, that's a negative. So, um, I mean, I'm okay with it. But, like, this one that's, is kind of unique, uh, it, back, back to the Future, it's literally, I mean, like, Alien, I think, kind of does that, too. Where it's literally a continuous story from start to finish. Like, there is... Alien does do it, that. It's basically, like a, like a Netflix series, almost. Like, it could be easily be broken down <laughs> into... Like, half hour episodes for like a 10 episode season and you'd have the same thing like it's just like one big long continuous story and i love that actually about this trilogy i mean alien is kind of like that um but i don't know of any other trilogy that's has that same model just directly run i mean star wars is directly running like that kind of true but i mean there's like years of breaks between those movies like these are oh i get what you're saying like this is like i mean they redo the ending of every movie at the start of the next movie yeah yeah i mean that's probably the only one that does that i mean (laughs) mean, that more i love that if you guys want to get super depressing we could do the before sunrise before sunset and after sunset movies uh i don't know wildly beloved yeah every every single one of them delivers what their audience wants yeah, it's it's pretty. It, it's I'm, kind it's of it's it's not. I mean, I would say they're not necessarily my flavor of movie, but I get right. why they're beloved, and I do think it's a cool idea to just see these two human people have just a very normal human interaction and moment, and then just check in on them every couple decades. Like that's a pretty cool idea. Yeah, for a movie series, like watching the actors actually age and their relationship have to react to that. It's kind of like. A much better version of Boyhood to me, those three movies. Like, yeah. I, I'm into that. I'm into that. I think that's a good one. That's I never would have added that to the list, but I think it absolutely must be added to the best trilogies list. 
does do any of the diehards count that we're thinking about? Diehard, Diehard Two, Diehard Three, Diehard with a Vengeance. Yep. I see. I love the die. I even like Die Hard Two, which I heard is the one that everyone hates. <laughs> no, that was fun. That, 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 I, was I think certain. Die Hard's really fun. Yeah, yeah. I think I, Die Hard also suffers from not the other movies don't necessarily matter right. to what we see it, in each one. It, so one of the things I really like that you guys keep pointing out is that every ma- every movie is tied into one another. Like, yeah, the, Die Hard One is a standalone compared to Die Hard Three, aside from the fact right. that the brothers, <laughs> they're brothers that are, but that that you could totally remove that part of it. That doesn't matter. Um, yeah. So I I, I like the f- I, again I'm throwing these out there not because of the fact that I actually think that they're the be- better than Back to the Future but something that we have to go and think about. I, I, honestly, I'm sticking with like Indiana Jones still gives me the most uh, joy out of probably all of these. Uh, I'm a really big fan of the Toy Stories. Um, but yeah, man, I, Back to the Future really holds. Uh, it's it's a top spot. It's a top fiver for sure. If if not a top three for me. Yeah, I mean, that's, I'm trying to think of what, I mean, God, if I, it would be really hard to say that, hmm, I mean, fuck, I, I honestly think Back to the Future is probably the best of yeah, the trilogies to me. Of trilogies. Because now, because again, when, when I was a kid, it would have been Star Wars, but Star Wars is so much more now. It's hard to take it, like, it's inevitable. I watched the prequels and that has to affect the originals to me and i hate that right it's like when i watch the other two matrix that has to matter to the one i i mean maybe john wick right now is a really popular one. Oh, great one great like those one. are great and they do yeah. kind of pile on each other that is you know what the thing with john wick though is that they don't get me in the heart i just watch that and it's like i have like a a manly rush I'm like this is awesome <laughs> Uh, but after the after the first one with the dog and the wife you're like i don't think i feel an emotion for two other movies i i really do disqualify star wars because that's such an enormous universe it's like i can't now. like yeah I, 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 I can't even think because now we've got rogue one and and and, and uh, solo and all this other stuff and it's like the i can't Lord and all the animated yeah, I mean, stuff like it's universe. so enormous it's so enormous that you Agreed. almost have to disqualify it, but man Great call with the John Wicks because yeah. that is one centralized story. They all back each other up. Uh, we're gonna get a fourth. And oh, dude, I all. just read one. What? Mad Max. Um, Road Warrior. Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome and Fury Road is the one they suggested. That's that's their trilogy. Oh, Wait, I thought there was Mad. Okay. There, was, there should be Road Warrior, Mad Max Two, and then Mad Max Three Beyond Thunderdome. Or there yeah, should right. Uh, but this one road... says if you just did Road Warrior, Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome, and Fury Road. Uh, so they leave out well, the first one. The first one's called Mad Max, right? But, yeah. And then the yeah. second one's Road Yeah, so take out Mad Max. Because they really did start the mythology in Road Warrior. I mean, they oh. escalated. If you just did those three, that has to be way up on the list. I haven't watched Beyond Thunderdome in years. I see. Yeah. That's my favorite one. I even like that more than Fury Road because it's just what? so. Again, Fury Road to me is just this amazing crazy. fucking spectacle. But there is essentially crazy. no story happening in Fury Road, right? Thunderdome takes me to this really weird city, and like you know, to me it's like, oh, we're the Bullet Farm guys in Fury Road. I'm like, I guess that's cool. But actually, going to the town and seeing Tina Turner and Master Blaster and Thunderdome, that's cool to me. Right? The caveman kid, that's cool. Like, that's world building to me that I appreciate. Shenanigans. I know. I, pro- I probably just got a lot of shit for that one. 
<laughs> but I'm, I'm here to be a stand. Road. I like Thunderdome better than Fury Road, and I think it's going to be a very small amount of us. Have you done series <laughs> on this yet, Griffey? No. I think that's something we need to do. I mean, someday I'd like to do that. Yeah, let's see. What else? They have the Dark Knight trilogy. Okay. Uh, yeah. That's an immediate disqualification from Dark Knight Rises is one of the worst films I've ever seen in my life. I don't know if I go that harsh. It's definitely Ooh, the Night of the Li Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, and Day of the Dead. Which, that would be high on my personal because I really like all three of those. And you're talking like the the '70s '80s versions, right? The Romero ones. Yeah. Each one uniquely original. They are kind of all standalone, so that's a that's a knock. I mean, Lord of the Rings. Yeah. All but right. that's okay so this list i'm looking at has fistful of dollars which kevin said right that's number five back to the future four or back to the future is number four toy story three yeah. star wars two this has before sunrise number one the before wow. series there you go man wow they, good they, pull they, kevin they probably gave it a lot I, I of credit just because they, they, people love to go and pull out one that they're like, no one's thought about this. And the, the, now you can't argue it because it's like, yeah, it's good, yeah, asshole. And I didn't even think they, about it. They've been good, good for a long time. And I would argue that's exactly what those audiences want from those movies. It's unique in cinema. I, I mean, I think it's not for me. But right. I think to take it out of the top ten trilogies is obscene. Yeah. Right? Yeah, and we're kind yeah. of artificially removing Star Wars, right? So for me, it would be... Evil Dead, the Mad Max trilogy. Back to the Future is still number one. Yeah. So, yeah, those are kind of like, I mean, Toy Story would have to be top five, even though Toy Story 2 is pretty garbage. What? Uh, yeah, great. I mean, go back. Uh, I have kids, so I've rewatched it. Toy Story 2 has no value to this the kind of good message of that series. It's just, well, Andy doesn't like me, and some fat guy stole me. Wah, wah. There's really nothing interesting that happens in Toy Story 2, except for that he goes to a white-topia. He's well, like, oh, now I'm around other white 50s toys. Maybe this will be great. <laughs> I didn't think that we were going to have to go and open up this can of worms. Did you want to talk for another hour? Because yeah, no. you're really digging in. I'm not here to start throwing bombs. I'm just saying Toy Story 2 sucks compared okay. to the other two. Oh. The all first right. one's an all-timer, and Toy Story 3 is probably the best third movie of any trilogy. Unless you count Fury Road, which is better than Toy Story Three. Okay. So I don't know. You got you got some interesting content. Like they listed the Terminator series. Terminator Three is filth. Yep. Yep. Absolute. F I like Ter Aliens Three, so that would be in mine. That would make my top five for sure. The 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 uh I, and I the zombies. The, was, the Night of the Living Dead series would be in. I don't hate well. Aliens Three. I hate Aliens Resurrected. I think that's stupid. Yeah. And then I it, I have a theory though is that if you take out the basketball, I think Alien Resurrection is equally as loved as Alien Three. The 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 sins of most of these that we're talking about is that they kept going, and that's the issue. Yeah. Is that right. now, that's true. Now we can't take it into a trilogy conversation because the yeah. fourth, fifth, sixth iteration was just so yeah. stupid that I don't like it anymore. Um, you almost have to really love the fact – I bet the, the the whole Before series is beloved because they wrapped it up, much like Back to the Future, right? Yeah. And, uh, uh, and in, a, in Jones a wildly film. satisfactory way. Like that's also why you would say that yeah. um, Toy Story gets in. You know, part two is a step down. Audience probably got what they wanted, but Toy Story three becomes maybe the most memorable, memorably emotionally satisfying 
third movie of a series. So that has to matter. Like, that's a really hard thing. Because I think it's inarguable Back to the Future 3 is the least good of those movies. But then do we do But we it's still fault, wildly do, satisfying. Then do we fault Toy Story for having Toy Story 4? I mean, to me, it's like once you have a four, you come out of the list. But, I mean, if you don't add those, it's a very small conversation. Right. Right? Because right. Mad Max has four. Right? Through the first three of the movies. Yeah. Even the Night of the Living Dead. Like, Romero is pretty much done after Day of the Dead. But then he started making other movies. Like the crazy Land of the Dead with, like, Dennis Hopper and the crazy city. Yeah. <laughs> See, I, keep I mean, I think that's like... the problem. I, that's what I'm telling people, though. Prepare yourselves. There is a world, the world we live in, where we will get another Back to the Future movie someday. Oh, it's okay. going to happen because God. things that are so good and so beloved cannot be left alone. Yeah. And, and, and it's, it's gonna going be, to fucking it's gonna be, happen. It's going to be Crystal Skull all over again, and I'm just going to hate everybody. Yeah, I mean, and we're getting another Indiana Jones movie to be. I mean, this is... This is the problem is when that's why I think back to the future stands alone in such a regard is that they did it. They fucking landed it. They got out and left it this amazing thing that we can always go back to and not feel hurt. Like sometimes Star Wars, like sometimes Terminator Matrix, right? Like so many of these, that's the sin is you're like, why did you keep doing this to me? Like Predator (laughs) Predator made two awesome movies and they were done. Next time we saw him was Alien versus Predator, and you're like, well, why'd you do that? Why'd you do that to me? And that's that's the problem. That's why I think I think Back to the Future, I think you have to say it's the best trilogy of all time. It wrapped Again, up. Again, no pun intended. <laughs> all, all movies were great. It wrapped up well. Original IP. It's checking a lot of boxes, man. Yeah. yeah. And you get, get your most emotional fulfillment from the third movie, I think you could argue. That's pretty... A pretty amazing feat to pull off, right? You bet. That like All one right. thing that like I value in movies is like they're ones that like uh, create like moments for like friends and family. Like Back to the Future was something I grew up on watching with my family repeatedly. Yeah, man. And I just introduced it to my kid, and he fucking loved it. Like yep. this is like a family like tie-in movie. Like to me, like that sends it like that gives it huge bonus points, and probably does make it my favorite trilogy. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, but that's what the movie itself becomes a time traveler. Like, I will share it with my kids, and I'm assuming my kids will share it with their kids. I just, I can't imagine a world in which people don't enjoy watching Back to the Future. Like, I find that really hard to fathom. <laughs> you guys watch, you guys watch that with your kids, and I'll watch Before Sunrise. I get it. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> with Petey, with Petey. Yeah, with you. yeah, yeah, yeah. watch it with your nieces, man. Yeah, That's they'll true. love it. Oh, they will. I mean, I, I yeah. don't know. I, I want to thank you, Kevin. This was your idea. This was an absolute amazing uh, time going back into these movies. I'm glad they finally exist in the Film Alchemist archives now, and it was a great addition to Fan Choose yeah. Month. Uh, Kevin, Mike, thank you so much for joining me. Alex, for having us, man. Uh, always a pleasure, my friend. I wish I could go back in time and do this all over again. <laughs> <laughs> or will we? Maybe when I turn this off, you're going to come running into my house. Griffey, the space time continue. That's actually my dream. I hope that happens. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks a lot for listening. That's it uh, for Back to the Future. Uh, fan Pick Month will continue, guys. Please take a second. Leave us a rating and review, especially on Apple Podcast app. Email the show, Phil Malcolm's Pod. Find us on social media. Share us with your friends. 
and follow the YouTube channel and subscribe. Uh, Nerd Alchemist Plural with an S at the end. Thank you guys so much uh, for taking this trip through time with us. The future is not written.